if you can't operate the building effectively, you're not going to have good residents and you're not going to make money. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer, with me on these Wednesdays. As always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, you're looking good today. You got that nice blue shirt. I got you know, we just decided, hey, this morning we got a match, so we look amazing together how are you doing man i'm doing well yeah if uh, if anybody wants to see what we're talking about you check us out on youtube at pillars of wealth creation they <laughs> can see two handsome young men uh you know talking real estate and business that's for sure so matt um i was at a conference this last weekend and i you know i i, I try to attend a couple conferences here and there mainly to kind of hear what other people are doing. Um, you know, it's great to catch up with people I already know, people that I haven't um, seen in a long time, uh, meet some new people. Uh, it was great. I, I you know, I, I'm kind of Facebook friends, social media friends, uh, you know, did talk to some people online or on the phone, but you don't get to see them. You don't get to meet them face to face. So there's a few people that, man, I I've been friends, quote unquote, friends with them for like four or five years, but I haven't ever met them face to face. So I actually get a chance to, to uh, shake their hand and talk to them and, and get to know, but it was, it was, it was good. Uh, just hearing other people and kind of what they're doing is interesting to hear. Uh, quite a few big players in the market um, in, that buy real estate in various markets throughout the U.S., uh, you know, all over the place, really, Texas and Florida and Midwest, and it's just all, just all over the place. Um, and, and hearing kind of the same theme over and over again, Matt, is that most people are mainly on the sidelines. They're still kind of looking at deals and they would do a deal if it came up that it worked out well. But I heard it several times that, you know, most people say, hey, their pricing's down by about 10 to 15%, but they feel like it needs to come down an additional 10 to 15% before they really jump back into the market. So interesting to hear that most people are kind of on the sidelines uh, looking yet not super aggressive. I would say we're kind of the same as well. Um, we we are still buying. We want to still buy, but we're being uh, a lot less aggressive. We're coming in. Our, our offers are mostly quite a bit lower than the whisper price, and um, we're not offering the terms that we used to be willing to offer as well just because of the volatility in the market. The other thing I heard a lot is that people are retrading. People are retrading like crazy. And so I don't think we're seeing that result yet. I think we'll start to see those results in July and August of people that have been retrading those, those deals that they put under a contract and uh, they come down by, you know, 10, 15% after the fact. I was just talking with, oh, we were talking with the private equity group and they're a part of a deal uh, that, that is under contract. And the buyer has been retrading with them considerably and they actually accepted the retrade, but they're going to make more money. Hmm. Right. That's weird. 
So how do you make more money? Well, they're excited because their yield maintenance, what they were going to have to pay to sell the property, they were estimating to be, I think it was like $4 million is what they were going to have to pay. Well, now that interest rates have gone up and all the, you know, the, the, the rates have gone up, now their yield maintenance has gone down into the six figure range. So they're saving like right around three and a half million dollars because of that. So the buyers renegotiating, they're getting a better deal, yet the seller is still actually making more money in the end. <laughs> because of the yield maintenance uh going down so so it, it, that's a win and that's i've heard that actually a couple times by people so uh there is maybe even some room because of you know things like that so yeah wow. uh, interesting market anyways it was, it's always great to it's always great to get to these places and here and and uh th this is the conference that had uh, a lot of you probably listening saw some of the advertisements shaquille o'neal was there uh barbara corcoran was there jaco willink he was there um shaquille o'neal was surprisingly to me i i never really watched basketball i've never seen shaquille o'neal play basketball uh, never heard him talk uh, very surprising to me it seemed like a pretty humble guy down-to-earth guy uh seemed very caring about um you know people and uh and especially helping people in you know kind of rougher neighborhoods and um so that was that was surprising and he was very funny dude um and he he hassled the uh the host quite a bit which was which was awesome it was really funny um uh, you know everybody talks about how many units they have and how many um you know people talk about their net worth and all that kind of stuff and Shaquille O'Neal, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't take the bait. When, when asked how many units he owns, he's like, I don't know. I don't care. You know, how much of this do you have? I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, Barbara Corker, man, she is a freaking hoot. She is your crazy grandma that swears and, and just is hilarious, tells funny freaking stories swears and uh it's just a hoot uh so if you ever get a chance to actually listen to barbara crooker and talk i would highly suggest it you will like you'll laugh but you're laughing at jokes but they're also you're just like how did this is the weirdest thing ever it's crazy it's funny uh it's weird it's quirky she is a hoot um but anyways great conference uh, good to get together with people and learn. Um, you know, you always learn stuff at these conferences and you always meet new people. So very cool. All right. Well, uh, today we're actually talking about something else. Uh, yeah. it's, it's been a while since we've talked about uh, senior assisted living. So this is kind of an update uh, and we'll be talking about how to find, um, buy and run senior assisted living. Yeah, absolutely, man. So so senior assisted living, you know, what now we've owned it now for, oh, uh, I guess our first one was in 2020. So we've purchased senior assisted living during the kind of downturn of assisted living. And so the markets, quite frankly, has been completely opposite of 
but really every other real estate sector, right? It's been completely the opposite of multifamily. Multifamily during the, you know, from, from 2020 to 2022, I mean, you saw the biggest run up that we've probably ever seen in pricing and uh, cap rates compressed drastically. Well, senior assisted living, the opposite happened. We saw prices drop, we saw cap rates uh, expand. And so, you know, we have, we have been able to buy in a very lucrative time to buy. However, there's a reason for that, right? And, and there's a reason the multifamily has gone crazy is because, you know, rental rates have gone up 20% in many markets or greater. Um, you know, you just, just, it's just been wild. Uh, the occupancy rates are dang near 100% in many markets. Uh, so, you know, it's been an amazing run for multifamily and it was just, it's just on fire right now. We're senior assisted living. Uh, COVID actually really did a number on that market, right? And so occupancy dipped pretty drastically, expenses went up. Uh, and, and so, you saw some pain happening in the market. There was quote unquote blood on the streets and there's sellers that are wanting to get out, retire, uh, and man, they're ready to get rid of their building. So we've been able to come in and we've been able to buy these buildings for much cheaper uh, than what they would have sold for just a couple of years previously. I mean, I'm talking, you know, 70 cents, 50 cents, even on the dollar, some even better than that. Uh, so we've been able to come in buying for considerably uh, less uh, than, than what you would expect. Well, with that said, uh, we've learned a lot and we've taken a lot of lessons and are now applying them to our business and trying to just continue to improve our business. So we can talk about, you know, some of those. Okay. And you're primarily focused on the smaller unit places uh, and mom and pop shops rather than like the big corporate conglomerates. Yeah. And so I'll qualify what smaller means because a lot of people think of assisted living. They think of a single family home that has five bedrooms, four bedrooms, and that's converted to a senior assisted living or a group home. That's not what we're doing. We are buying buildings that are, you know, 10 to 30, maybe 40 beds. Um, and so they're purpose-built buildings. That That's what they're built for with senior assisted living, senior housing. And um, everybody's got a bed, bedroom, okay? They, they think of it as a suite, okay? They've got a bedroom, usually a kitchenette, not a full kitchen. Usually it's a, um, a refrigerator, like a mini fridge and basically just a set of small set of cabinets, kitchen cabinets, um, and maybe a microwave. Uh, then, then what they have also is a bathroom in their unit. And so that's really it, right? They don't have a, a full unit. They have maybe, maybe depending on the building, um, then kind of the newer ones, they might have even a, a living room, but a lot of them, their bedroom is their living room. And they have a bathroom and a little kitchenette. And some of them don't even have the kitchenette, um, depending on when they were built and, and how they were designed. But that's kind of how it's laid out. 
And so it's a bunch of bedrooms, usually around the perimeter of the building. And then this, then center, you've got your living room or, or multiple living rooms, depending on the size of, of the, uh, building, you know, so if it's 10 bed, it likely has just one living room, but if it's, you know, 20 bed or something similar to that, it's got probably two living rooms and then it's got a kitchen and a dining room. Okay. And then you might have some common space, like a library, uh, community kind of center room, um, maybe a small workout area, uh, with like a, a cycle bike or, you know, some, some light weights or things like that. So that's kind of how most of the communities are. And then a little bit of outdoor space, patio space, uh, that type of thing. Okay. And then you also converted some of those units into memory care. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So, uh, we just looked at demand. We had actually the recently we bought a portfolio of properties and we had two buildings, uh, that were vacant when we purchased them. And, and so one of the buildings we've already just, we, we just very recently converted. We finished the conversion. And so we just looked at the market and the demand in the market and decided there was, uh, or, or at, through our research, found that there was high demand for memory care. There just wasn't that uh, need being filled in the market. And so we converted a 16 bedroom uh, assisted living that was vacant uh, into a 16 bedroom memory care. And really, honestly, Matt, there's not much to do to convert, right? So we've got to make sure um, on, th on this building in particular, all we had to make sure is that the, the doors have alarms on them. That was really the main thing we had to do. We didn't have any of the potential other hazards like, you know, full, full stove uh, where, you know, memory care, you can't really have an operating stove in the unit. Otherwise, there's a potential that they can burn themselves or start themselves on fire or something like that. Right. And so we didn't have, uh, in these, uh, buildings much else that we had to do other than changing that. And then we re did a full remodel to it while it was vacant. We decided we're going to, we're going to do a full remodel. Um, so that was the main thing we did, but that, that wasn't for the sole purpose of memory care. That was just because we wanted to remodel it and make it nice. So. And did you have to update the license with the government? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to get approval that, that we can have the memory care operations in there. And lo and behold, I mean, we, we have this thing uh, completed and we have it uh, all completely pre-leased right now. Hmm. And so we, now the next step is we got to find employees to be able to staff to get the people in. So we are in the hiring mode and we've, we've actually got quite a few uh, people already hired. So, so we're really close to opening the door. So we're, we're excited about that. Good, good. What's it been like for you working with the government on licensing? Um, okay. So what's it been like for me? It's been great because I haven't done anything. <laughs> okay. What's, <laughs> what's it been like for the people that are doing it is, uh, depends. Okay. So Wisconsin is a state we're in. That one's been easier, just more time consuming. Just they're slow to respond, uh, slow to actually do business. Minnesota, which is another state we're in, uh, they are slow to respond and they're very difficult to deal with. Um, we are still actually nine months in to per our purchase, we are still waiting for payments from the government because, uh, our, and, and 
or from entities, I should say, it's not just, you know, depends on what it is, but uh, from entities were waiting for payments nine months later. And uh, it's just because of the disorganization of the, the government. And so I, I guess it's a mixed bag. It's been okay and it's been horrible. Um, but for me, it's been great. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's a who, not how, you know, find, find other people to deal with that stuff for you. Yeah. I mean, I hear about it, right. I hear the reports and, and we, we get our, our weekly updates. And so we hear what's going on, but um, yeah, it, it's definitely something I'm glad I'm not doing. Yeah. When I managed uh, group homes, I was deep into that sort of stuff. And uh, I don't know, you get used to it and you just get in a routine and you know what needs to be done and yeah, and go through the motions and get it done. Yeah. The difficulty with the state of Minnesota is they changed everything, Matt. Mm. And, and so that's, you know, when, when they change anything, everything and they don't know what they, what they changed, I don't think they really knew what they changed. They just made mm. changes and they didn't understand what that meant and how that flowed through and how that affected other things. And so they're figuring out everything and they're, you know, we're submitting the documents that they request and then they get it and they go, well, you didn't do these documents. Well, you didn't tell us to do those documents, mm. you know, oh, you got to do this. And then you do that. And then they go, oh, by the way, you got to do this. And then we do that and they go, oh, sorry, you didn't have to do that. You got to do this instead. Oh, okay. So, you know, that's how it's been with the state of Minnesota. Um, pretty mm. frustrating. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, how do you find these properties? Um, same way you find any property. So uh, there's uh, several sources. Um, you're going to talk with brokers. You know, that's definitely a, a really big source. There's real estate brokers that specialize in selling every asset class. And so senior housing, they specialize in selling. So you're going to communicate with them, build relationships with them. Um, you're going to, you can go direct to owners, right? You can do direct mailing, direct phone calls, um, talking with property management companies, same thing. Um, you know, we've got, uh, actually our, our CPA firm is referring us to some potential sales. They know people that are looking to sell. And so they say, Hey, why don't you talk to this group? They're buyers. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the deals that aren't marketed by brokers uh, is more of chasing a deal and they don't end up coming to fruition. But when you do get those deals, they tend to be better deals. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really shaking every tree and, and trying to make sure the deal flow is coming in. Um, so we've been blessed to have a really good deal between our brokers, between just relationships that we built between, you know, sellers that have sold us one of their buildings. They have a second one to, to sell, um, and, and through just other, you know, other connections, property management companies and CPAs and, um, stuff like that. So, yeah. And what, what does it take to buy one of these places? Money. <laughs> well, besides that. Oh yeah. I mean, look, you know, any, anybody can buy anything. Right. Uh, but I think it's most important to understand what the business is. So you have to understand that you're buying a business, whether it's multifamily or retail or uh, self-storage, senior housing, right? So you have to understand you're buying a business and then you have to understand what business that, that is and how 
do you operate the business? Senior housing is much different, right? Uh, our, and we should dive into some lessons learned. But uh, the the you know senior housing is a high amount of of staffing, right? So we have to really understand that we're going to have to manage our teams. And um, you you know you have a, a lot of employees. You that's the number one. If you can't operate the building effectively, you're not going to have good residents and you're not going to make money. But if you can learn how to operate people and teams effectively, uh, then you're going to have a good business. And that's something we're always, you know, trying to improve and struggle sometimes at and, and work hard at just continuing to, to do better at it. Um, but we run it a lot like a multifamily, uh, but a lot different than a multifamily. So, you know, we still have, we have a property management company. We pay them a, 5% management fee on the gross collected income, just like you do with, with a multifamily. And they manage our teams. They manage, you know, the employees and hire and fire and um, that type of stuff. And they, they do the leasing and books and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but you, you just got to really understand the business and why would you want to buy senior housing? And then can you be successful in doing it? Do you have the right people surrounding you? Um, so. Okay. Yeah, and you know, payroll easily is your number one expense at uh, oh, that by sort of far. facility. By far. So, you know, you, you look at me, Matt, if you've got a 100-unit uh, multifamily building, you've got one maintenance person and you've got one leasing staff. If you've got a 20-unit senior assisted living, you've got about 15 or so, maybe up to 20 employees. Okay, some of them are part-time some are full-time, but you've got 15 to 20 employees versus a hundred unit apartment. You have two. So payroll. Yeah. Huge, huge payroll. And what else does it take to operate these effectively? Yeah. So look, um, first and foremost, you, you have to, you have to understand that what your what your job is an as an owner or at least should be as an owner is to run a business okay and so this is a healthcare business and a kind of a multifamily a housing business so it's both right cuz these people these are this is their new home but they also have some health needs and so you're running two businesses you're running a healthcare business and you're running a a home business. And so we have to make sure we've got the people in place that can actually do both, right? So that that's the most important part is your teams. Do you have competent people? Do you have the right nurses in place? Do you have the right uh, support staff in place that can not only care for them? So it's a different personality, right? And so if I'm just in a hospital, I can hire nurses and doctors and assistants that are good at administering drugs and, you know, doing their specific niche. Right. But if I've got an assisted living, they have to be good at doing that, but they also have to be good at care. They have to be good at making sure they're caring properly for the residents that are there and creating a good environment, creating a good home. So it's, it's a lot more 
than just medical, right? Like I said, it's medical and it's home. And so we want to make sure we're creating that environment. Um, and so that's our job as a leader is to make sure we're creating that positive environment, making sure we're creating good systems to allow them to understand what their job is, making sure we're communicating properly with them and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so it really comes down to, to really good sound leadership for operations. And of course there's a lot more, Matt, there's, I mean, there's all, like I said, there's all the medical and there's, you know, there's all the systems and, and processes that you have to put in place. There's the licensing, there's compliance, there, there's a, a lot more, but if you're at the top, a, a good leader and you have the right people in place, those people should be able to handle all of the compliance stuff and, and all of that. So, so that, that's your job. Um, as a property owner is to make sure you've got great leadership um, and the right people in place. So you're essentially creating a culture of care where you're providing yeah. excellent support for the employees. And in turn, they pass that on down to the residents. One thing we always try to do is uh, we are always hiring. Okay. And the reason why we are always hiring is because we want the best people. And we want to make sure we can remove those who are not the best, the highest, right? And so that creates a better culture. So if we're always constantly trying to hire, that means we're always constantly trying to improve ourselves. And if we're always trying to hire, the people that are there and they're serious are going to make sure they're there and they're serious and they're doing things right because they know that they will lose their job if they're not. But if we're never hiring or we're only hiring when we absolutely a hundred percent need, then we get laziness. Then we get the people who don't care who stay there. And then that's a, that's kind of almost a disease, right? When you've got people that don't care and they're, they got a bad attitude, then the good people, they don't want to be there anymore. They start to get a bad attitude and eventually they leave. So we always want to be hiring. We always want to be improving. Um, and, and we always want to be, you know, we're trying to add, um, add life, right. To our residents, add life to the years of our, our residents, not adding years. We're not just trying to get them to stay there until they're a hundred and then die. We're trying to make sure that they're thriving and they're improving, um, every single day. Not only is that good care and, and, and ethical, uh, it's also, you know, building up a reputation for yourself so you can attract uh, and retain good residents for longer periods of time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, let's talk a little bit about um, some financial, some lessons we've learned along the way of, of dealing with um, making sure you're profitable um, and making sure you're running a good place. So uh, for, for me, what we've, what we've really added on to our properties. When we first buy a property, uh, when I first bought a property, we always had reserves just like multifamily. But what I've realized is that there's a slow transition in, in senior housing. And so when you take over day one, it's not necessarily that everything's going to run smoothly like you would expect. With multifamily, when things don't run smoothly, when you take over, which is often the case with, multi, with multifamily too, doesn't mean it runs perfectly. But with multifamily, usually there's a small bump 
Okay. We might take over. We get 93% occupancy. That 93 dips down maybe into 91, right? Because a couple of people move out or there's, there's an eviction or two that you weren't expecting, whatever it might be. Um, you get a couple of people that maybe don't pay rent. And so, yeah, so you lose a couple of percentage of people, but that doesn't do much with, with assisted living. It's not like a bunch of people move out. That's not what happens. But what happens is, especially especially with what we're buying, we're buying uh, properties that are not brand new. So we've got a lot of uh, our residents have assistance. So about 60 to 70% of our residents of any given building have some sort of public assistance. And so there's a, there's a time delay there. And, uh, and, and there is actually a um, drop in occupancy, it seems like mostly. And it's not because residents move out, it's because residents naturally die. And when they pass, we oftentimes have to, we're working on changing the reputation. So we're working on changing the reputation of the, of the building. And so it does take some time for us to do that. It does take some time for us to increase occupancy versus the decrease of occupancy. So what we've now come to the conclusion of is that when we purchase property for the first six months, we're likely not going to make any cash flow. Okay. We might, but we're, we're not putting in our minds, we're not going to make any cash flow. Okay. And we also want to make sure we have ample reserves uh, for those first six months, because if we don't make cash flow, we still got to pay our mortgage. And so we want to make sure we have that completely covered. So on top of our normal reserve that we would typically do, which is nine months worth of principal and interest payments, we add an additional six months worth of principal and interest payments. So we are counting on having to pay that out of pocket. Now, does that happen every time? Absolutely not. Usually we do cash flow um, or at least break even and not have to dip into there. But that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned is that don't expect that cash flow to come in for the first six months. Uh, and if you have investors, make sure your investors understand that too. We're not going to cash flow for six months. So the year, when's your first payment going to be? It's going to be Q3. Right, it's going to be quarter three is where your first payment's going to come in. Now, could it come in Q one? Could it come in Q two? Absolutely, but we don't want to. We want to make sure you understand that it likely won't. Um, now, after it starts coming in, it starts coming in nicely, right? And so our cash on cash return on these buildings can be anywhere from you know eight percent to to fifteen percent, um, and maybe even higher, but. Of course, nothing's guaranteed, Matt, but but that's often where a cash on cash where we see that eight to eight to fifteen percent um, you know, paying out. So but you gotta have those reserves up front. So that that's a big lesson that uh, that I think we've uh, we've learned. Another thing that uh, we're doing now to our properties that we weren't doing before is we're putting a lot more capex up front. And so what I firmly believe is so we're in this like kind of weird, we're in this transition, right? So we've got the silent generation, we've got the baby boomer generation, and we're in the silent generation still. Baby boomers don't start for a little while. There's 300,000 people that'll turn 80 this year in 2022. And by 2027, there'll be a million people that'll turn yeah. 80. Okay. So you can see there's a big change, coming, <laughs> yes. but it's not here yet. And so who are we serving? We're serving the silent generation. The silent generation have different wants and needs. But if I'm only thinking of the silent generation, I'm, I'm actually doing myself a, a very big disservice because my competition is going to swallow me up, right? My competition is just going to take all my future residents. And so I'll be stuck with the silent generation. That's it. Well, eventually they die and, and I don't have any more. And so 
what am I left with? Well, I'm left with people that don't really want to be in my buildings, but you know, have nowhere else to go. And so I'm left with fairly empty buildings and I'm left with, you know, just unhappy, likely people. So what we're looking at doing is making sure we're staying up to date. And so when we're purchasing buildings now, we're putting a lot more renovation into them. We're updating things. We're bringing new technology into it, right? We're, we're bringing new furniture in. We're, we're doing as much as we can to try to, to try to uh, increase the desirability and demand of that building for the future generation that's coming in the baby boomer generation. And the baby boomer generation, believe it or not, are very needy um, compared to the silent generation. The silent generation, um, think Great Depression, um, you know, or World War II, pre, pre -world, or during World War II, um, they just didn't have the, the needs that the baby boomer generation uh, has. I would say the baby boomer generation was maybe the first like modern, um, you know, kind of me generation or consumer generation. You know, obviously they continue now, uh, but but the baby boomer was probably the first uh, consumer, big big consumer generation, and so that's what we got to look at: is uh, their needs are different than the silent generation. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, because especially you're you're planning for a long term holds with these, because uh, I expect that they're going to cash flow more and more as time goes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. The, the demand for these properties is going to increase drastically. And if, if we're not positioned to grab that demand, I mean, we're just, we're just stupid, right? We're just missing out on an amazing opportunity. So let's position ourselves to grab that demand and to be able to capture the, uh, the income and to be able quite frankly, be able to serve our residents in a better way. Well, people want nice places to live. Let's give them nice places to live. Now, now is a great time to buy senior assisted living. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think now is a fantastic time to buy it, but just make sure that you're setting yourself up for success, right? And that That's the easiest thing to not do, to think you're just going to buy a building because it's a great deal. I mean, we're buying these deals at 10 and 11 caps, right? We're buying them at current occupancy. You know, so if we're buying a building that's 70% occupancy, we're buying that at a, at a 10 or 11 cap. On, on that, those numbers, that is very attractive, but it's, but it can get you into trouble too, if you're not understanding the business. And right, so, so just make sure you understand the business because otherwise you're going to, that, that 10 or 11 cap, it might look good on paper, but it's not going to come true. So how about this? Now is a great time to invest with somebody who knows what they're doing, such as yourself. <laughs> there you go. That's a good plug, man. Um, yeah. And we're always taking investors and, and we think we've built a, a pretty good, you know, uh, business here. And we're always trying to, of course, improve it. Uh, but we think that, that what we're doing is the right things to have long-term success. Um, and, and we're able to find some pretty good deals because of that too. I mean, we've built a reputation in a very quick period of time in the market that, you know, we close on deals, we operate them professionally, um, and, and we're easy to deal with. And so I think brokers like that and, and owners like that, um, we've got several owners just, just from other owners that have heard about us. Excellent. So, yeah, man. Um, a big topic. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about. Like, you know, I I don't do the day to day uh, operations, so I certainly would, if we want to talk, inner workings would have to bring those people on. But I think 
for the listeners out there that are listening here, the most important part is just surround yourself with the right people. And that's really, honestly, Matt, the most important part for any piece of real estate. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool, man. Anything else? Any no. other questions? Oh, no, that's it for today. Awesome. Well, Matt, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day a Saturday. Thanks. You too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.